Amen. All right. Good morning. Well, we're going to continue together. Last week we started this teaching series called Go. Everybody say Go. Good job. So we have been uh, talking, last week we started to talk about this idea of going. And this series is based on um, the following scripture out of Matthew 28 and out of Acts chapter 1. It's called the Great Commission where Jesus told his disciples, go. Everybody say go. go. Yeah, Matthew 28 verse 19, Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That last part, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, is, is a really important part of Jesus' command to go. He doesn't just send us out on our own. He sends us out and tells us that he will be with us every step of the way. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we, we see even a little bit more how it is that Jesus will be with us because he says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit of God who dwells within us. Romans 8 says the same spirit which raised Christ from the dead is alive and at work within us. And Jesus said he will be with us to the end of the age. And, and the manifestation of the presence of Jesus in our lives comes through the Holy Spirit who is in us, who is with us, who empowers us. That's why Acts 1.8 says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then you will go to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So our mission statement as a church reflects both of those passages of Scripture. And it says this, we are people empowered by the Holy Spirit to make a difference in our neighborhood, that is Jerusalem, and around the world, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, through the gospel we don't make a difference through our own effort, through our own power, through our social programs, but through the gospel and for the glory of God. So that's what this series is about. Uh, we'll, we'll be looking at this for a couple more weeks and looking at some principles of what it means to go. Everybody say go. go. You're still doing great. So here's the thing. The Christian faith is a proclaiming faith. The Christian faith is a proclaiming faith. You know, a lot of times people talk about faith and religion and they say, well, you know, that's a private matter. That's between you and whatever God you believe in. That, that's not something that we talk about in polite society. You don't talk about politics and you don't talk about religion. And I don't mind if y'all don't want to talk about politics, but at this church we're going to talk about religion. Because the Christian faith is a proclaiming faith. We cannot live out our faith without telling others about it. Our faith is not private. It's not just between us and God. Because God has told us to go. Everybody say go. And if we're going to live out our faith, then we have to proclaim it. It's not the Christian faith if it's just between us and God and we keep our mouths shut. And we just show up and hang out with the club and then go back home. The Christian faith 
is necessarily a proclaiming, going, telling, showing faith. My grandpa is 95 years old. He turned 95 uh, last month, just a couple weeks ago. And uh, he has been a preacher for a long time. And he is declining in health. In fact, I would ask you to pray for him and my grandma. She's 97. Um, and he's in his last, probably, days on this side of heaven. Um, but he was a preacher. He got saved when he was about 15 years old and God transformed his life. He uh, started a church in Miami, Florida and then pastored a church in Jacksonville. And, uh, and many of you know him because he and my grandma, when they were healthier, they were here every week. And it was kind of intimidating to preach to my grandpa who was a pastor for way more years than I've been alive. But um, somebody one time uh, sent me a recording of one of his messages. This guy, Randy Harp, uh, who, who used to be a youth pastor at this church, he had come across this recording and he emailed it to me and I listened to it. And, and in that message, my grandpa uh, was talking about proclaiming the gospel. And he gave this little story. He said, the Christian faith is a proclaiming faith. And he said, I was sitting next to a guy on an airplane and the subject of religion came up, and, and this guy said, you know, I think everybody ought to be able to practice their religion however they see fit. And my grandpa said, I'm so glad you agree, so why don't you sit there while I practice my religion and, and tell you all about it. Because to practice the Christian faith necessarily means telling other people about it. We don't just practice the Christian faith by reading our Bible and praying and singing songs and giving and showing up to church. Part of our faith is going and telling and proclaiming and sharing the good news of the gospel with others. Living out the Christian faith necessarily involves sharing the Christian faith because our faith is a proclaiming faith. Everybody say go. go. Man, you still got it. Now here's the thing. This idea of going and telling, that can be intimidating. To, to think that I've got to go tell somebody about my faith, that, that can be intimidating because, you know, we don't necessarily have all the answers. We don't know all of the doctrine and theology of, of Scripture. What if they ask us something that we don't know the answer to or I don't even like to talk to people. I'm an introvert, you know, so I, how, how am I supposed to go and tell? And it, it can be intimidating for us. To go and to tell and to proclaim. And so this morning we're going to look at a passage of scripture. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to look at a passage of scripture that, that I think gives us a lot of hope when it comes to going and sharing our faith. The title of the message this morning is Our Part and God's Part. Spoiler alert, God's part is a lot more important than our part, okay? <laughs> but we're going to look at what God's word says this morning. When we share our faith, what is it that we're called to do and, and what is it that ultimately only God can do? So let's read together 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 5 and we're going to read through verse 11. Here's what God's word says. What then is Apollos? 
what is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed, and each has the role the Lord has given. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's co-workers. You are God's field, God's building. And according to the grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another builds on it, but each one is to be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay any foundation other than what has laid, been laid down, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that your word is truth. And so now sanctify us, transform us, change us. Make us whole by your truth. Give us ears to hear and hearts to obey. Encourage us where we need encouragement. Challenge us where we need to be challenged. And for those here this morning who have never come to you and surrendered their life to you, as Savior and Lord, I pray that you would draw them through your word and your spirit today. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody say go. go. All right. Y'all getting better by the minute. So we're going to look at this scripture. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 5. And let me give you a, a little snapshot of what's going on here. The Apostle Paul, who wrote a majority of the New Testament, um, he, he planted this church in Corinth. He went to the city of Corinth and he preached the gospel and, and God called together a group of people who put their faith in Jesus and, and then gathered together as a local church, an expression of God's body in the city of Corinth. And that church began to grow and, and over time the church got bigger and bigger and other people began to come and, and lead in that church. One of them was a guy named Apollos. And Apollos was, a, was an incredible speaker, Scripture tells us. He was a great preacher. People loved to hear him preach. And later as the church began to grow, more and more people came along and there began to be this division in the church. And some of the people said, I like Paul. And some of the people said, well, I like Apollos. And some other people said, well, I like Peter, one of the 12 disciples. And some other people said, well, I like Christ the best. They were the really most spiritual of the people. And Paul writes to them, he says, y'all are crazy. You don't get it. It's not about Paulos or Paul or Peter. Stop dividing yourself. Stop squabbling. Stop fighting over these things. And then in chapter 3, Paul tells us, he says, let me, let me explain to you what's going on. And so he says, Apollos, he's been a part of it. I've been a part of it. We just, I planted some seeds, Apollos watered some seeds, but God gives the increase. So in verse 5, he, he tells us, he says, what then is Apollos, what is Paul? They are simply servants through whom you believed, and each one has the role the Lord has given. So each of us this morning, we have a role. Each of us this morning who are followers of Jesus Christ, we have a part in God's plan. All of us, 
have a part in God's plan, um, and God decides what that part is. So he, Paul tells us there's Apollos, there's Paul, we're just servants, and we have the role that the Lord has given us. God had a plan for how he would use us, where he would use us, when he would use us. And we're simply being obedient to his plan. And this morning I want you to know that, that you have a part in God's plan. And God will decide what that part is. You might be saying, well, I could do this part, but I can't do this part. I could go here, but I can't go here. I could do this, but I can't do this. And none of, none of that matters. God knows you better than you know yourself. God knows your story. And you may be embarrassed of your story. You may be ashamed of your story. And God has a plan to use your story to make a difference in the lives of other people. God has put people in your life to whom you can have an influence. Last week, thank you for your response as you came and you wrote down the names of people that you'll be praying for. I hope you've been praying for your three people this week. Over here on the side on my left and on my right, we've got the boards with names on them. And as a church, we're going to continue to pray for these people. God has put you in the lives of people that, that I'll never meet. God has you in their life for a purpose. God has a plan to use you. Paul tells us that there was Apollos and there was Paul. They were just simply people who were used by God. And so this morning, I want you to know that, that God has a plan and you're a part of it. And you might not feel qualified. And you might not feel ready, but that's okay. Because God is going to use you. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Again, Paul is writing to the church in Rome and he says this. How can they call on him whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? Preacher just means somebody proclaiming the truth. You can be a preacher just as easy as me. He says, somebody's got to go and tell. Somebody's got to open up their mouth and speak. There's a missionary that I know. His name is David Freeman. In fact, we support him as a church. And uh, he is a missionary in East Asia, in Taiwan, and in Nepal. And Dave Freeman tells a story about how God called him into ministry. Uh, he was at a summer camp as a student in a youth group, just like our students were at a retreat this weekend. And, and he sensed God calling him to surrender his life to go as a missionary. So he surrendered his life that night. And he wrote down in the back of his Bible the night and, and the prayer. And years later, after he went to Bible college and trained and prepared for ministry, he went to Taiwan as a missionary. And he went up into this kind of remote area in Taiwan um, and he met with this man in, in this area, and, and, and he told him why he was there. He, he had to have an interpreter at that time. But he began to share the gospel, and, and this man says, I've been praying that God would send somebody. And I didn't know how to pray. I just said, God, if you're there, send somebody to tell me about you. And he said, I've been praying since, and he told him a date, and that was the same time that God called Dave Freeman to be a missionary. All Dave did was just say, okay, God, I'll go. And in your life, all you got to do is just say, yes, God, I'll go. Yes, God, I'll open up my mouth. 
Sometimes God will use you kicking and screaming too. <laughs> we all have a part. God decides what that part is. Verse 6, Paul continues, goes a little deeper. He says, I planted. So Paul, he, he was the first one in Corinth, and he kind of planted the seeds of the gospel. Apollos came along, and he watered the seeds of the gospel, but God gave the growth. Only God can give spiritual life. Only God can give spiritual life. It doesn't matter how convincing you are. It doesn't matter how good you are. And, and if you're like the salesman of the year, you can't sell anybody into the gospel. You can't convince anybody into the gospel. You just be obedient and faithful, and God will do the heavy lifting. That, that's why we can take the pressure off, as, as Alex talked about earlier. God is the one who gives the victory. He's the one who does the work. He's the one who does the heavy lifting. He just needs us to, to show up. We're kind of like the sign twirlers, you know, on the, on the sidewalk. You just kind of hold it up. Some of them are really good. They can do all kinds of fancy moves. And then you got the guy who kind of uses the sign as shade, and he's kind of taking a nap behind the sign. Whether you twirl the sign and do cartwheels or whether you just stand in the shade of the sign, your job is just to hold the sign. Jesus is the one who does the work. Or better yet, like one of those sock people, you know, out in front of the used car dealership. You just say yes. You just show up. God, through his spirit, draws people to himself, but he allows us to be a part of what he's doing. He just calls us to be obedient. Proverbs chapter 25, there's a verse in Proverbs chapter 25. It just says, a word spoken at the right time is like golden apples set in silver. I don't know about golden apples set in silver. It sounds fancy, though. The point is, sometimes just how you doing? Sometimes, hey, I'm praying for you. Sometimes, hey, I noticed what's going on. Sometimes just a smile. A word at the right time, God uses it. And God draws people to himself, and he just calls you to show up and be faithful. We all have a part. God decides what that part is. But the good news is that the most important part, the part of giving spiritual life, God will take care of that. Only God can do that. The pressure's off. You don't have to close the deal. You just need to show up and be obedient and let God do what only God can do. Verse 7 continues. It says, so then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. <laughs> but only God who gives the growth. He's, he's again trying to lower the bar of expectation. Hey, if you're the planter, if you're the water, not that important. It's God who gives the growth. They're nothing. And, and maybe you feel insulted by that, but you should feel more like, okay, the pressure's off. I am not the one who does the work. I just need to show up 
and be obedient and let God give the growth. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his own reward according to his labor. I like this part in verse 8. It says, he who plants and he who waters are one. They're one. We have the same job. We have the same mission. We have the same purpose as followers of Jesus Christ. And when we participate in God's plan, we grow in unity with other believers. When we participate in God's plan, we grow in unity with other believers. This is the mission. This is the cause. This is the purpose. This is the why we're here. One day when we get to heaven, we will sing worship songs better than we do here. If you don't sing good in heaven, I think you will. I don't know. I don't, there's not a Bible verse that tells me that, but I'm just thinking you will. You will understand who God is better than you will ever understand who God is on this side of heaven. You will have fellowship with other believers, the saints that have come before you and the saints that will come after you. Every nation, tribe, and tongue, fellowship, unity, love. But you will not be able to share the good news of the gospel with people who are far from God when you get to heaven. That's the one thing we're called to do that is vitally important. One day it will be too late to share the gospel. It is appointed unto man once to die and after that judgment. The statistics on death are pretty good. One out of every one person dies. And there is an eternity. And we are called to share. And there's unity in that. We come up with all kinds of ways to divide ourselves. We come up with all kinds of ways, just like this church. I'm with Paul, I'm with Apollos, I'm with Peter. We have all kinds of flavors of churches and different denominations and different groups because we focus on unimportant things. And if we would focus on the gospel, the good news that we were dead in sin, but Jesus came and took our sin on himself, died a real death on the cross, taking the penalty for my sin and your sin, and then rose from the grave giving us victory like we sang about today over death and the grave and sin. That's the message. That's the gospel. And it brings unity when we participate in God's plan. The one who plants, the one who waters, they are one. Then it continues in verse 9. We are God's co-workers. You are God's field, God's building. I love that statement. We are God's co-workers. What a cool thought that is. Like we get to partner Participate with God in his great mission to the world. We are God's co-workers. When we participate in God's plan, we grow in unity with others, but we also grow in unity with God. Like our hearts become more aligned with God's heart when we participate in his mission to the world. Now, it's hard to say you're someone's co-workers when you're not doing the same job, right? Like you're over here doing your thing and then somebody else over here doing, yeah, we work together. Doing what? I don't know. 
I don't know what they do, but this is what I do. We are God's co-workers, God's fellow workers. We get to participate with God and his plan to the world. It's an incredible thought. It's humbling. It should be really exciting. I mean, of all the jobs you could do, you get to be a part of God's work. Of all the things you could do, if you said, yeah, I worked with that guy once. You know, maybe some, some, maybe if you're into sales and you worked with the greatest salesman who, I worked with him once. Or maybe if you're an engineer and you worked with this great, I worked with him once. Some great architect, some great baker. Yeah, I helped frost a cake with them one time. Woohoo! <laughs> but what if you were God's coworker? We are. When we show up and participate in God's plan to the world. So then Paul kind of transitions his thought. So he, he's told us, Apollos, I, I, I planted, Apollos watered, God gives the growth. The planter, the water, they're not all that important. They just need to show up and then God does what only he can do. They're one. They're, they're working together and we're God's co-workers. And then he has this transition thought. You're God's field, God's building. He, he kind of transfers from this kind of agricultural illustration to this construction building illustration. You're God's building. And then in verse 10, he, he picks up this building theme. And he says, according to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another builds on it. But each one is to be careful how he builds on it, for no one can lay any foundation other than what has been laid down, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. The foundation of our church and our mission must be Jesus Christ and his mission. The foundation of our church must be Jesus Christ and his mission. Churches have gotten off track over the centuries by losing focus on the foundation. They start to do some things that might be good things. And all of a sudden that what they thought was a good thing becomes the focus, the foundation. And they get way off track. The foundation of our church must be Jesus and his mission. Why does the church exist? It's to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon us to be witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. We are to go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of all nations, baptizing, teaching people to observe and obey God's word. How do we do that? We can do that in a lot of different ways, but the ways are not the mission. We can love and serve people. We can have social projects. We can, we can do things to bless people. We can feed people. We can do a lot of things. But the foundation is Jesus Christ and his mission, the gospel. And then Paul, can, Paul continues in verse 12. He says, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, or costly stones, or wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become obvious, for the day will disclose it, 
because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. And if anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. A reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he'll experience loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. There's a lot there, but here's the point of it. Paul says the foundation is Jesus Christ, and you can build on that foundation, and you might do it with gold and costly stones, or you might do it with wood and hay and straw. But one day, the church will be tested. And if you did it wrong, it's going to be burned up, and it will not last. And if you did it right, it will stand. So here's what we learn from Paul's statement here. A church that is off mission has no eternal value. A church that is off mission has no eternal value. If we are not focused on the mission of Jesus Christ, if we are not built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and his mission in the world, the gospel, going and telling, proclaiming, then we are wasting our time. And you might like to show up and come here, but if we are not focused on the mission, then it's a big waste of time. Then sleep in. Then do something else. Join a club somewhere. Get in the rotary. Become a shriner. I don't know. But if we're not focused on the mission, then we are wasting our time. And I don't want to be a part of a church that's a big waste of time. And I hope you don't either. But Paul says, if we're not built, if we're not building on the foundation of Jesus, if, if we're not focused on the mission of Jesus to the world, then, then one day it's just going to all burn up. There will be nothing left to show for it. You ever heard the phrase, arranging deck chairs on the Titanic? <laughs> if we're not focused on the mission, it's like arranging deck chairs on the Titanic. The boat is sinking. Where the chairs go does not matter. Charles Spurgeon, a, a famous British pastor, said this, men are going to heaven or hell. And it's time that we come to close grips with them about this all-important matter. God help us to do so. The mission is this. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. And our mission according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, is to be ambassadors of God, to plead with people, be reconciled to God. It is as though God is speaking on our behalf, be reconciled to God, be reconciled to God, be reconciled to God. Jesus told us a parable in the Gospels. He said, go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. Invite the people Share the gospel. Go. Everybody say go. go. Amen. A church that is off mission has no eternal value. And finally this. Well, verse 16 and 17 say, don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. And for God's temple is holy and that is what you are. This temple idea is he's talking about the church. That's the context of this passage. 
It's what is the foundation of the church, God's called together people. So this idea, he's talking about the temple and he says that when we get off mission and the church ceases to be the church, that temple will be destroyed and woe to those people who destroyed God's church by getting off mission, by forgetting the foundation, by losing focus on the main thing. Verse 18, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool so that he can become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, since it's written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the re- that the reasonings of the wise are futile. Paul simply says, look, we think we know all the answers. We think we have a good plan, a good strategy. He said, but in God's economy, your wisdom is foolishness. So here's what we see. When we do things God's way, God does the supernatural. When we're obedient to God's word and God's plan, to God's foundation, God's mission, we don't have to plot and scheme and come up with all kinds of crazy ideas. We just show up and be obedient and let God do the supernatural. Let God do what only God can do. Here's the last part. So let no one boast in human leaders, for everything is yours. Again, remember Apollos, Paul. Verse 22, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, that is another name for Peter, or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, everything is yours. Here's what he's telling us. Don't get caught up on the factions Focus on what God is calling you to do because we all have a part in God's plan. Don't say, well, I'll let the pastors do that. I'll let the leaders do that. I'll let the deacons do that. I'll let somebody else do that. He says, no, 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 it's not about Apollos or Paul or Peter. Don't, it's not about them. This is God's plan for your life. This is how God wants to use you. We all have a part in God's plan. And then the last verse says, you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Here's what that means. If you belong to Christ, that's really good. Praise the Lord. If you belong to Christ, you are sealed in him. You are in Christ. If you are in Christ, that means you have been saved Saved from your sin. If you're in Christ, that means you have been born again. Born, reborn spiritually. You were dead in sin, now you're reborn spiritually. If you're in Christ, that means you have been redeemed. That means the price for your sin has been paid. If you're in Christ, that means you have been ransomed. You know what a ransom note is? You kidnap somebody and say, if you give me some money, I'll give them back. Well, Jesus ransomed us from sin and death by paying the price on the cross. If you are in Christ, it means you are made righteous. Even though you don't live a perfect life, the righteous perfection of Jesus Christ is given to you. 
you wear his robe of righteousness and you are seen as righteous if you are in Christ. If you are in Christ, you have hope. Hope for salvation. Hope for eternity. It's what it means to be in Christ. But here's what it also means to be in Christ. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You're adopted, you're redeemed, you're saved. And now he calls us into his mission. We get to be his co-workers. You are in Christ. Now maybe this morning, there are people here who are not in Christ. You have never come to the end of yourselves and say, I surrender. I've been trying to do my life in my flesh, in my own effort, in my own plan, in my own desire, in my own will. This morning you can come to Christ and be brought in. The way that happens, just like we were talking about today, God does the heavy lifting. The way that happens is Jesus did everything necessary for you to be brought in, adopted in. He did that on the cross when he died to pay the penalty for my sin and your sin. He lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He died a sinless death even while he was dying on the cross, he said, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then he rose from the grave, conquering death and sin so that we could have victory, so that we could be brought in to the family of God. Jesus did the work that was necessary. What he calls us to do is to put our faith in him. God's word says it is by grace, Jesus dying on the cross, that's grace. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. He did it because he loves us. That's his grace. It is by grace that we are saved, saved from our sins, saved from death, saved from hell, saved from the grave. It is by grace that we are saved through faith. Faith simply says, God I trust you. I give my life to you. I turn from doing life on my own terms. I turn from my sin and I turn to you because I trust that your plan for me is better than my plan for myself. Faith is surrender. By grace, we are saved through faith. It continues, it's not of ourselves. It's not of works so that no one can boast because God knows something about me and you. If we have any part in it, then we're going to think that we're better than everybody else. <laughs> and you've met some of those people. I've met some of those people. That's not how salvation works. God's grace. He will save us by simple faith. Why don't you stand up with me this morning. Believers. Followers of Jesus Christ, are you participating in God's plan and mission to the world?
Are you saying yes? Are you showing up? Are you going? Are you opening up your mouth? Are you sharing your story? The next couple of weeks, we're going to look more practically at how we do that. But this morning, I want us to be encouraged that God is the one who does the heavy lifting. God is the one who does the work. We just have to show up and be obedient. Then trust him. The pressure's off. So are you trusting him? Are you showing up? Are you being obedient? We are his co-workers. We are in Christ. We belong to him. That comes with rights and privileges. And it also comes with responsibility to share the gospel, to open up our mouths and speak. And this morning, if, if you're in this room and you've never come to Jesus for salvation, you are not in Christ. And you say, today, I want to put my faith in Jesus. I'll be standing down here in the front. There are others who would love to pray with you. So we're going to sing a little bit of a song. I think, uh, house of the Lord. We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. That's what it means to be in Christ. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are accepted. Forgiven, redeemed by his grace. (laughs) The house of the Lord sing praise. So, hey, if you want to come and continue to pray for those that God has put on your heart that you need to go and tell, if you want to come and put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, if you have some other prayer need this morning, I invite you to come pray as we sing. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you for the privilege of partnering with you in your mission to the world. Help us to be faithful and obedient. In Jesus' name, amen.